Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Wizards and The Lord of the Rings, the animated movie, or at least the first part of it. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Dark movies ever made. We can all agree that Jaws is number one. Clearly, Jaws the Revenge is number two. Okay. Uh, I believe Jaws 3 and 3D is number two. We're talking about the best shark movies ever made, and you guys are like still debating which Jaws sequel? Because no. I saw that shit in the theater, son. I'm pretty sure I saw Jaws 3D in a theater, too. And I'm yeah. just wondering if that was like a re-release or something. What, do we know what year that was off the top of your head? Uh, I don't, but I know I was five when I went and saw it. So, of course, I freaked out and caused a giant scene in the middle of the theater, so my dad had to take me out in the lobby. Can I ask you a question? How yeah. do you not know what year you were five? Well, I was nineteen. Uh, nineteen eighty-five. I was five. Okay. Uh, but I don't remember if I was actually five or if I'm giving myself like, oh, I, I was definitely five when that happened, but I was wrong. I was, I was twenty-five, but it was really embarrassing how my dad helped me out of the theater. So. And it turns out I was wrong. Jaws 3D was nineteen eighty-three. So most I would have been four. That's probably so, not appropriate for me to take a four-year-old to. No, which is why I caused a big scene and then had to go out in the lobby. Because, yeah. you know, it was in 3D and four-year-old doesn't understand that the shark's not actually going to eat them off the screen. Because I saw it and I, like, I have this memory of like seeing it and then going to the beach like the next day. But That's I'm a great idea. If, like I'm wondering if I'm like it's 1983 is not very clear in my memory, so I'm wondering if that's all true. Yeah, I had horrible parents. My parents just let me watch whatever I wanted. I've told you guys before. My dad used to drive to video store and he'd stay in the car and then I would just be like my dad said I can run whatever I want and he'd look out and see my dad in the car and my dad would just wave at him he didn't even check where to run well my dad wasn't far off obviously he took me to see Jaws 3 in the theater when I was 4 well, something that podcasting has taught me is how much my grandfather would just take me to whatever I wanted at a very young age because I start looking at movies and it's like because, like, Link came out in 86, I think. It's the Killer Monkey movie. And I have, like, mm-hmm. distinct memories of seeing that in theaters and really enjoying myself. 
And it's like, I shouldn't have been at that movie in 1986. <laughs> <laughs> I was at that Killer Monkey movie with like naked Elizabeth Shue in it when I was like eight years old. That shouldn't have happened. <laughs> My dad let me watch the movie Hard Bodies when I was like five. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He really watch it with you to make sure you enjoyed it. That's what it sounds like. That's even one of the skeezy ones. I mean, that's not letting your kid watch Porky's, which is like skeezy and like high quality. Hard Bodies is just skeezy. Totally. And he had no problem with it. And of course, you know, my parents were divorced before I can remember. So I, of course, mentioned it to my mom, which then caused a giant uproar. And I was no longer allowed to watch movies with nudity in it ever again. You screwed think- yourself there. Yeah, I know. I think the only time my parents reacted to one of the, the horrible garbage movies that I was watching oh, no is, is I did talk my dad into renting me Hellraiser, and he sat down to watch it with me. And in like the first 20 minutes of the movie, he was like, oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. See, my dad used to just get up and leave the room because he's like, oh, I don't want to watch this shit. He'd go in the other room. Like, oh, it's perfect. Now I'm alone watching this movie. <laughs> My dad also was like so ill prepared for the modern world that when we got our first big multiplex in town, like he had to stop taking me to movies because he would take me into the wrong theater. <laughs> We'd see the wrong movie. Yeah. Like I don't know. Like as an adult, I don't see. I don't see why that's so hard to figure out. They put the theater number right on the ticket stub. And it's not like there's not people there you could ask that would probably tell them. <clears throat> Like, hey, we're supposed to be watching the Goonies, uh, but I walked into Nightmare on Elm Street. Tell me what theater the Goonies is playing in. Yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to think of an example of when it happened. It's like, like I have a feeling I saw Navy Seals by mistake. Ooh, Navy Seals. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, and I don't like. I don't think that was what we were intending to see. I'm trying to think. It's like. I want to see Young Guns too. Would those have been out at the same time? I like to imagine your dad, like the opening credits start to roll, and he goes, "Nope, nope, wrong one." But I'm invested now. Yeah, yeah Navy Seals and Young Guns too are out at the same time. So I think that I tried to get my dad to take me to see Young Guns too because he, uh, like, he liked westerns, and I thought, like, this is finally a western I want to see. We can go together. There's a then, Young Guns too. Yeah. What? <laughs> you were giving us shit about bass. Uh, about Basky, Basky. Once, once, once again, I am very open with the fact that I fucking hate westerns. I hate them. I hate well, them. That's, that's why we're doing the Young Guns series as a show. I know. Now I'm putting it on the list right now. Goddamn movie. With with the one ex- exception of I really like the Man with No Name movies, but that's it. And that's only because they're super violent and exploitative. So I don't know if you understand, Noah. John Bon Jovi did the entire soundtrack for Young Guns 2. Oh, yeah, that makes it sound so much fucking better. Yeah, it, tell, it's amazing. Tell them about Christian Slater John, being in it. Christian bon Slater's in part two. Oh, Christian Slater and John Bon Jovi. Nothing, nothing says hardcore Old West outlaw like Bon Jovi and Christian Slater. Yeah. I heard Bon Jovi uh, only got that job because he was like Emilio Estevez's neighbor or something like that. I have no idea if that's true or if it's just one of those things I heard, but I want it to be true. Yeah. Who was it but Emilio Estevez? Mighty Duck guy, swear to God. 
I think I'm joking, but Young Guns and Young Guns 2 just went on the list. So I'm all about it, man. I will break out my DVDs of Young Guns and Young Guns 2. Uh, I will say, I do believe the first one is a much better actual movie. I think so, yeah. And the second one's just complete cheese, but... Man, now I'm in the mood to watch both of them. Thanks to you, Noah. I'm okay with it, so long as I don't have to pay for one of them. <laughs> Oh, so you you pay for one of them but not the other? No. <laughs> I will not be paying for Young Guns. You start searching for illegal copies of Young Guns online then, because I don't think anybody's going to give you that shit for free. It's too good. I have them both on DVD, son. Uh, I don't want to cancel this week's podcast and just go watch Young Guns. I know, right? Goddamn. Bullshit. <laughs> <sighs> You know, uh, what's that dude's name? Uh, played Ferris Bueller's best friend. Oh. Alan something or other. Yeah. He's in Young Guns 2 also. Oh. I'm trying to picture him. You know what? You know what? You know what really gets me geared up for a movie? When it's got that guy from Ferris Bueller's Day Off that nobody can remember his fucking name. <laughs> He plays Bob. You know, that guy that everyone likes. The other guy that's not Ferris Bueller. It's Alan something. I just can't remember his last name. Alan Ruck. I seem to, it doesn't. Bob ends up getting into a fight with Chavez and he stabs him with a knife made out of uh, like. That would be Christian Slater. You obviously need to rewatch this. I do need to rewatch this. It's bugging me how little I remember about Young Guns too. It's eating away at me right now. Christian Slater plays Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh. And him and... Uh, yeah, but nobody remembers his name as Arkansas Dave. And him and Lou Diamond Phillips, Chavez, do not get along. So he stabs okay. him through the arm. Can't we watch another Christian Slater movie that better embodies the Old West? Like, like pump up the volume? We can do a Christian Slater <laughs> month for all I care. Oh, uh, I can't wait to do cuffs. If we do cuffs and pump up the volume, that sounds like a great plan. Put that on the list. Let's start working on our Christian Slater month. Pico uh, <laughs> Morrison. That one you're not hurting me on. I fucking love pump up the volume. I haven't, I haven't seen, seen that seen one it. in a long time. I've never seen it. So cuffs, pump it, up. It kind the of oozes nineties a little bit, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot Vigo Mortensen's in Young Guns 2 as well. It's a Vigo. I don't think I knew that. Maybe I haven't seen that since I knew who Vigo Mortensen was. Probably not. I know who it is, who he is in the movie, but I completely forgot about it, it. I find it interesting that he was in movies for a very long time before I had ever like heard his name. <laughs> I, and then I started going back and I was like, man, he's in a lot of movies. He's been working for a long time. <laughs> I actually find Liam Neeson is like that, too. It's like yeah. he... Now it's he's just like this huge star, but if you go back, he was in a lot of shit. What's, what's our other Christian Slater? We need four weeks. Oh, Gleaming the Cube. It's got to be Gleaming the Cube. I have no idea what that is. It's a, a skateboard movie. Where? <laughs> no, no, hold on. Where his adoptive, his adoptive Japanese brother gets killed by somebody from the Yakuza over something. So he has to avenge his brother's death by using skateboard skills. <laughs> yep. 
It just like gets into like an underground shot Claude Van Damme esque uh, uh, one ver- one v one skateboarding competition <laughs> against the Yakuza. Against the Yakuza, it doesn't the sound like telling me. <laughs> no, that's that's not what happens. But God damn it! <laughs> no, he has to. He uncovers why his brother was killed and like finds all this corruption. He does that like through kickflips and other skateboarding terms. Yeah, he does skateboard off of something and lands on someone as they're like they're gonna shoot him. So of course he hops on his skateboard and then like hits him in the head as he flies over them. So so they're going to shoot him. So he skateboards towards them. That's his solution. Yeah, already sounds like a great movie. Yep, Uh, that's definitely going on the list. I found a picture of a uh, Vigo from Young Guns 2. It's a Vigo. You got to refresh your memory. We're going to get that one done soon before I watch the movies. Leaving the cube. Oh, it's going to be amazing. <clears throat> You're in for a treat, Noah, and you don't even know it. So how many? Well, what are we going to team up with that? I don't know. Maybe another one. It doesn't have to be. Like, it can be another skateboarding movie. Does not have to be all Christian Slater. We only need to have at least one Christian Slater in the movie. In the- uh, I mean, we could go Airborne, even though it's more of a uh, rollerblade movie. It's still extreme sports that people thought were cool for two weeks in the 90s. It's true. Hard, hard Rain. Everybody got both as a gift, and then nobody used them. <laughs> hard Rain, the one with Christian Slater and Morgan Freeman. Hey, we don't talk about Morgan Freeman on this. He harasses people. Everyone harasses people. If we stop doing people that harass people, we will be out of movies. In the interest of fairness, we do exploitation movies. Like, 80% of our movies are just people harassing other people, and then they film it and call it a movie. I was going to say, our last our last episode was rape revenge movies. So. Well, I mean, that just means we're going to be doing a Bill Cosby episode. Litter Part 6 and Ghost Dad it is. Oh, I'm sick that week. Heathers. Heathers is all we get. Oh, I one of the VHSs that I found a little while ago was Heathers. I've been meaning to rewatch it. Do we have another fun movie about teenage suicide in the eighties that we can team up with it? Well, it was Virgin Suicides. I don't know if fun really fits into it. <laughs> it wasn't in the eighties though. That's the only downside. Oh, broken it's like a- That's some hot garbage. Oh, we don't need to watch that can't watch John Travolta movies because he harasses people. So. More because he's a Scientologist. That makes him crazy. Oh, I see. All right. Watch very bad things. Jeremy Piven kills a hooker while high on coke. Uh, we can't do Jeremy Piven movies. Why can't we do Jeremy Piven movies? He harasses people. Oh. That's what, we're okay with that, though. Yeah. Because that's consistent with the character he plays in every movie. So. I actually knew somebody who knew somebody in Chicago who slept with Jeremy Piven because I guess he's from Chicago okay. and apparently he has a very small wiener <laughs> that's really I doesn't I mean, <sighs> save that for the review of the movie man where it's relevant <laughs> I feel like I most certainly didn't need to know who Piven's dick is no I think it raises an interesting question because he's a very small man all around so is it proportionally small or I don't know. I just heard small wiener. All right. Well, I don't know. Like, yeah, my friend uh, Sharon slept with him 
hooked up with him after a night at the bar. Said he had a small dick. That's basically how that conversation went. It's weird. It's a weird thing to tell someone. Yeah. Uh, not when you're in your mid-twenties and at the bar all the time. It's not. I'll tell you this. I'm never going to sleep with the Sharon girl because I don't want her spreading things about me later. <laughs> I'm sure your girlfriend appreciates that. <laughs> so I'll go wake her up when we're done recording and just let her know. Guess what? I'm not flying. I'm not flying to Chicago to sleep with a random girl named Sharon who I have no yeah. idea who she is. Oh, uh, you shouldn't even be that detailed. You should just wake her up. And be like, honey, honey, I just want to let you know, I'm not going to sleep with Sharon. All right, love you. Go back to sleep. <laughs> gotta, go, gotta go finish recording now. <laughs> is uh, is uh, Kiefer is Kiefer in Young Guns? He's in both of them. Yeah, we love Kiefer. Yeah, it's uh, Emilio, Charlie Sheen. Kiefer, Lou Diamond Phillips, Jack Palance is in the first one. Yeah. It's good stuff. There's like a bunch of other faces that you'll recognize when you see them, but I don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. Nothing, uh, says, nothing says quality like an ensemble cast. Uh, Terrence Stamp is in the first one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He teaches Billy the Kid how to read. That's right. Or no, he tries to, but then he finds out Billy the Kid already does know how to read. Mm-hmm. You could just do a bunch of young Keeper Sutherland movies. That'd make me happy. No, we don't do important stuff like that on this show. We're still working on our Christian Slater month. <laughs> I said young Keeper Sutherland. Not accomplished Keeper Sutherland. It's not the same thing. Alright. <clears throat> as fun as Christian Slater month is going to be. Um. Should we, I guess, talk about this week's movies? I guess. I know. It seems really boring now compared to the Young Guns episode we're excited to do. I hate you! <laughs> Can't wait to find out more things Noah hates and I just add him to the list when he's not paying attention. Uh, Doug, would you like the simple task of telling us what Lord of the Rings was about? Well, Okay. You're not. You're not allowed to say it follows the book. Damn it. <laughs> okay, fine. It follows the first two books. Oh, you son of a bitch! <laughs> oh, he's got you there. <laughs> got you. It is basically a pretty faithful retelling of the first two books of Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, you know, Frodo is assigned the task of destroying the ring. He starts wandering towards Mordor, but doesn't make it there in time, etc. Cetera, et cetera. I'm not telling people what Lord of the Rings is about. Who knows what Lord of the Rings is about? Uh, I will say, since this was my first time watch, I had no idea it was not. Uh, it was not all three books put together. Oh. So I had a moment towards the end where I'm like, because I was homesick on Tuesday from work, so I'm like, well. Let's uh, let's get this taken care of since I'm here and I'm sick. So weird animation is usually really good when you're sick. And so I watched it. Then the movie kind of ends, thus leading to still yet another movie. And I'm like, wait, did I like fall asleep? Did I did I miss the whole throw in the ring into Mountain Doom type thing? So I rewound it and I was like, nope, sure didn't. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I went and looked, and yeah, found they were supposed to do another movie, and it was never. I was gonna, completed. I was gonna say it's only two and a half hours. How much story do you think they can fit into two and a half hey, hours? 
I thought they were doing a good job cramming stuff together. Those are some long-ass books, man. Yeah, they, they do a good job of streamlining the story in this movie, just, just to get those first two books into this compressed time frame is pretty impressive. Yeah. But it is... Uh... Well, and they don't do the horse shit that they did with the live-action movies, where a bunch of parts in the books that are actually fairly short, they stretch out into fucking massive things. Like the Battle of Helm's Deep is one fucking chapter. It's one chapter. That's it. Yeah, but it's a cool battle, so why would you want that to be one chapter long? They made it into an entire movie. Yeah. The Two Towers. The Two Towers is the second book. Like, it's not Helm's Deep, the second book. <laughs> All, right. All right. Noah's already off on a rant that is yeah. not technically even on topic. Yes, no. it is. <clears throat> well, the interesting thing the is... The superiority of the Bakshi. The interesting thing is I've actually never read the books, so all I have to go on is the movies. So for me, I was like, oh, wow, yeah, they're just cutting this way down. This is like, this is just going nice and fast. And all of a sudden, oh, shit, movie's over, and I thought I missed part of it. I had to rewind it. So I guess, I mean, that's one of the things about this movie is when they do compress the storyline down, do you guys like that better or more than either the other movie versions or the, the books? Because I found the story to be way less engaging when it's told at a quicker pace, which is weird. But it's like when you're not when you don't get time to know these characters and you don't have time to appreciate the world they live in, it I found it was like, okay, it's just a little tiny man walking around with a ring now. Like that's not that you know what I mean? That's not that interesting. And and it, it's objectively, I think, true. I mean, there's been a lot of jokes about it that the story is a guy walks and then he walks and then later he walks and then he gets to a gets to a lava pit and he drops a ring in it and then he flies home on a bird. That's the primary story of Lord of the Rings, which is yeah, but a lot of cool shit happens. Yeah, I know, but that's what I'm saying. When you streamline it and you tell the story less and you're not you're not as engaged with the characters because it's because you don't spend as much time with them and you're not in the world as much it just it feels like an episodic journey to just go destroy a ring and then especially since they don't destroy the ring you're like well that was that was nothing you know if you're already a lord of the rings fan you're probably going to really appreciate a lot of what goes on in this movie if you're watching this blind i think you'd just be like why are they doing all this yeah uh i I think there's definitely room for both of them. <clears throat> um, like if I when I I haven't done it in a while, but whenever I watch the live action ones, I prefer to watch actually like the extended editions. So the ones that are like four hours a piece. Yeah. Which uh, me and Which my friends, better? me and my friends in my twenty in our twenties, did that in a Sunday where we watched all three of them back to back to back. That was rough. I don't know if almost 40-year-old me could handle it now. But, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, there's something for it, like having that where you can just sort of live in it and be like, oh, this is fantastic. But then also, if you just want the story real quick, and having this super short version is really good, too. Yeah. But I found even with this one, even just like the, the power that the ring holds over everybody, it's really hard for them to to get that across in mm. the compressed storytelling because you have just 
you have a few moments of different characters wanting to grab it, but I don't know. And again, maybe maybe I'm projecting too much because I do know the story so well, and like, like I remember this movie from when I was a kid, but I really am watching it almost blind. I didn't have a lot of detailed memories of it. So I'm just kind of projecting what I already know onto it, and maybe somebody who wasn't doing that would get everything from this movie that they need. Yeah, that was a weird thing for me, too, since I already knew the story. It definitely was not like as engaging as I thought it would be, but that may just be my problem. It was a lot easier to follow, I think, if you already know. Oh, the yeah. Story. It's yeah, definitely. I did, a... I did notice the changes. Like I said, I never read any of the books, so the stuff where like Bilbo leaves, and then it's like almost twenty years goes by before the actual Lord of the Rings part of it starts. I thought was interesting. I didn't realize. There was such a time gap, and I don't know if that's in the books or not. Yeah, yeah, that's. But, I, think, I think that is from the books. I don't, and again, I don't know how relevant that is. It's yeah. Well, it's always interesting because, like in the live action movies, it's like Bilbo leaves, and then it seems like the next day they're like, "Okay, we've got to go throw this ring into this lava pit." And I'm just like, "Well, why didn't they just run into Bilbo like, like on their travels? He could have <laughs> could have been more than like half a day ahead of them." Hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> So what do you like about this movie, Noah, besides Rotoscope? Rotoscope. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I like everything. I think it's it's a faithful adaptation of the book without uh, being so slavish to it that it makes the movie boring. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think if you, if you made the movie the way the movie should be made, it would be three five-hour movies, and most of it would be them silently walking around places. <laughs> People wouldn't like it, and I would be very happy. <laughs> they just walk it every now and again. They look over at each other and kind of nod, like, this way? Yeah, all right. Just That's keep... what I'm saying. They would bring in Tom Bombadillo, and people would be like, I don't remember this shit from the other movie. And I'd be like, you shut the fuck up and enjoy Tom Bombadillo. <laughs> he represents the old world, sons of bitches. Uh, but besides that, like, I, I don't know. I, I think it's awesome. It moves at a good clip. I think that the use of the different, like, rotoscopic styles that they do throughout it are all effective. And it makes a, a singular artistic vision that's completely unique to this style, if that makes sense. Like, there is nothing quite like it. Yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting the way they would do like different animation techniques. Not even just from scene to scene, but sometimes it felt like from cut to cut. So it was like they were using the different visuals to create the atmosphere they wanted to, and I found the film really visually engaging. Like You don't want to turn your head for a moment when you're watching this, because something cool is going to happen on screen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it, I, I mean, this movie, inarguably is a pretty amazing work of art whether or not you enjoy the movie and whether or not you sit there and go i don't get why the orcs look so shitty because i hear that complaint all the time they're like why do they animate these guys and then the orcs look shitty and it's like, well, it's a, there's like fucking 80 of them and the entire point of rotoscope was to save money <laughs> Like, that's what it was for. It was so you could make low-budget animated movies, and that way you didn't have to be fucking Disney. Uh, I did think Legolas looked like he got hit in the head too many times. 
<laughs> Does everybody think so? So rewatching this, I've seen this several times, but rewatching this, I don't know why it hit me. In in this one, uh, in in a lot of the adaptations I've seen of Lord of the Rings stuff, Sam always comes off as a mildly deficient <laughs> and 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 overly homosexually attracted to Frodo, right? Yeah. Which that's I think that's something in the nature of trying to express male friendship on on uh, a video format that just doesn't quite translate. But in this one, he seems a little extra. I'm trying to not use an offensive word, but like not like he has an extra chromosome, but definitely like he's got some extra genetic material that shouldn't be there. You know what I'm saying? Like, Sam's got some issues. <laughs> yeah, I see where you're going with that, and I don't entirely disagree. And um, in addition to wanting to fuck Frodo, the first time he sees Legolas, it looks like he comes in his pants. He's super excited to see an elf. And it's yeah. a little weird how excited he gets. Yeah, it's intense. <laughs> But and I think there's something into that too, to the way this film walks the line between reality and animation. Um, like I think he reacts the way a cartoon character would react, and you're all like, "All right, he's a cartoon character. He's overzealous and buoyant, and just bouncing up and down and stuff." You know what I mean? But because some of the movie feels so sort of real, then you're kind of that take that behavior and put it in a more grounded environment. And you're like, "Oh, it's it's really strange." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Somebody actually threw a clip from this movie up, the uh, the Balrog scene on Facebook, and I was reading the comments, and there was a bunch of people making the weirdest fucking arguments I've ever heard. Like, oh, one of them was bitching about how shitty the animation was, and then he said, I mean, look at their movements. That's not how fucking people move. And everybody was like, it's rotoscope, you idiot. Like, it's literally an actor being painted over. That's exactly how a person moves. At least how that person moved on that day. Yeah. It's just, it's just fucking weird. It's, it's weird that people... Uh, I, I feel like people have undue criticisms of the film because they expect animation to be one thing when rotoscope animation is a completely fucking different art form. It's just, it's not the same animal. They share similarities, but they're not, it's not the same thing. No. Yeah. And it, I think that that people, a mainstream audience is going to go into a movie with certain expectations and this is going to meet nobody's expectations, right? It's, you know, if you go into it thinking, okay, this is like a fully grown adult movie and it's going to be animated in a style to make it look very real, you're going to be caught off guard by some of the characterizations. But if you go into it looking for, you know, a Disney movie, you're going to be blown away by what you're looking at. It's not, it's not going to be what you want. And I think that's why movies like this kind of have trouble finding an audience outside of us movie geeks that are just excited to see something new and original and rotoscope nerds like some people listen you guys will join the rotoscope cult (laughs) you will i don't have anything Uh, against it i just don't cream my pants like you do it's it's not that 
I, I consider it so much better than anything else. It's just, it's one of those things that Rotoscope is basically a completely lost art form. Like, it's not done anymore. And it's sad whenever something completely vanishes, you know, there because there's probably somebody who could use the technique and make something fucking mind-blowing, you know what I mean? No, I gotcha. Although now the equivalent is somebody making a movie like A Scanner Darkly, which is basically just filming it and then slapping a stupid fucking filter on top of it. Ouch. Yeah, Ironically, you're so offended by that notion, though, because that kind of is what this is as well, right? Except this is hand-painted on top of it. It's yeah. not somebody clicking uh, the sketch filter from fucking Instagram and going, look, I did something cool. It's somebody spending months of hand-painting film cells. <laughs> Alright, Noah hasn't killed anybody yet. We're off to a good start. Still pretty angry. Fills <laughs> me with rage, no. But, uh, but it's uh, like I said, it's so fucking, it's such a fucking cool thing. And it's unique. And once again, I think Ralph Bakshi's a fucking genius. Is he, though? Isn't that yes. basically just a tracer? No. No. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> now, now he is going to fight. Now he is going to fight. Uh, that was perfect timing for that one. <laughs> he he uh he loved one of my tweets. Pretty impressive. I didn't even know he's still alive. He is. Again, yeah, most of us don't know anything about Ralph Bakshi except for that he made this movie, and now I know about his other one as well. And you're gonna know about several more because pretty much all of them on the list. <laughs> yeah, well, don't worry. I'm adding shit to the list just to avoid doing the topics that you put on there. Such as Christian Slater. <laughs> oh, Once again, you guys, you guys always say that, but did you enjoy watching this movie, even though it's two and a half hours long, which is a little bit long? Uh, it, it was all right. I think uh, it was interesting to look at, but again, already knowing the story, I was kind of probably not as into it as I had hoped I would be. Yeah, and I'm kind of there with you where I'm like, visually, visually the film looks great. Which is like a credit to the to the directors and the people who made it. Got John Hurt doing one of the voices. The voice acting, I don't think, is particularly good in this movie. Fuck you! No, I'm just playing. It's it's it's, <laughs> pa it's possible. It's fine. But I don't think there's anything in here that kind of like stands out. Um, I do think two and a half hours is too long for a movie that's primary selling feature is visually interesting. So, like, I mean, if they had made three hour and a half long movies and done the whole trilogy, I'd probably prefer that to this one two and a half hour long movie. Which, unfortunately, back then would have been harder to do. Of course it would have been, yeah. And, I mean, it's the proof is there. This movie did, never got its sequel, and it, they never even got to finish telling the story, which is a major part of the problem as well. Like, when you watch a story well, and have an ending, that's... Although that's, that's not entirely true. Because they did, they did end up making the other movies. It just didn't end up being in the same style, and it didn't end up being Bakshi doing. Yeah. Well, it, which yeah. Doug will have something to say about that. Yeah, later. we we'll discuss that later. Actually, <laughs> <clears throat> um, 
Yeah, I guess anything else about Lord of the Rings? I don't know. I would say I would say the one other thing that uh, unfortunately people are biased now with is familiarity with the Tolkien story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. because in the 1970s, if you knew Tolkien, it was for one of two reasons: number one, you were a D and D nerd, or number two, you were an English lit nerd. The end. Like that, you maybe you were a super avid reader and you just happened to be into super long books about fantasy stuff and yet aren't a nerd, which I don't believe that exists. But now with the uh, with the movies, in which I will give Fellowship of the Ring credit because it's a fairly good adaptation of the book. The other two movies are not really that good. And the Hobbit movies are hot fucking garbage. It went down. That 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 series went downhill real fucking fast. They did not. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go ahead. And I think the original trilogy of those those the first three movies are all very good. I think I, together to tell one good story, and I don't think any of them. I think the the one complaint I would have is that none of them stand alone as good movies. They all have to be watched kind of together. Yeah. No, I disagree. Not, not very good. <laughs> There's just not. I agree with Doug. It's difficult. It's it's difficult for me to rewatch those other two. No. Uh, other than okay, there's some differences from the books, which is the extended not, versions are a little better. I've never seen the extended versions. I've <laughs> absolutely true story when I bought Fellowship of the Ring on DVD way back whenever and I opened up my DVD and the there's like a piece of paper inside advertising that the special edition was coming out extended like a couple of months later and i was so mad that they were advertising the new version in the old version that i refused to ever buy it and i've still never seen it <laughs> no that's perfectly valid reason it. It, was like, it was just one of those things where i'm like you just sold me this one and now you're trying to already sell me the extended edition like don't do that so but yeah no i, I think all of those no, the the hobbit movies I saw the first one in theaters, and I realized that movie—they they weren't making those movies for me. And I just stopped watching them. I saw all of them just because I'm kind of a completist, and honestly, I barely remember anything about all three of them. So, well, and and do you want to talk about a fucking weird cash grab? So, all the Lord of the Rings books are really long, which is one of the reasons why it's hard to make them into three movies. Like I said, the first one isn't this terribly long book and there's stuff that you can cut out, but the other two books, they end up cutting out so much stuff that it's like, eh, you guys are glossing over really important shit. The Hobbit, on the other hand, is a very, very short book that could very easily be one movie. And instead, they added 25 characters and stretched it into three movies because fuck them in their face, that's why. Fuck those people. Yeah, I bet you they were kicking themselves when they were putting together the original, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and they were like, oh, we announced three movies, but after the money made by the first one, we probably could have announced six movies and been just as happy and gotten all that stuff in there on screen. But they, I think they kind of screwed themselves all. One of the reasons they're great is because they made all the movies together, but I think they may have kind of shot themselves in the foot where they could have told the story over 
a longer period of time and yeah. gotten that much more box office out of it. <clears throat> yeah, now it would be a bankable franchise like that. We'll see what happens with the TV series. Yeah. Hey, it might not be shit, but it will. Yeah, it you never probably know. will be. I don't know how <laughs> well the story lends itself to, like, episodic things. But well, might. I mean, that was one of my comments about this movie version is, like, the, the backstreet version is that it is kind of a it did feel a little bit episodic, so you could tell the story that way. Um, you know, you're kind of focusing in on a couple of characters and spending time with them. And I think with like with Lord of the or not with Lord of the Rings, with uh, Game of Thrones and Walking Dead, now proving that people will watch a show that jumps around from characters to characters and doesn't spend time with your main characters for several episodes in a row. I think they can get away with that now and tell Lord of the Rings in that same style where you're like, okay, we're going to spend this whole episode is a Gandalf episode. We're not going back to where everybody else is. Mm -hmm. We're just spending time with him and we'll find Sam and Frodo later in the season kind of thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, All right. Uh, So I would say definitely recommend from Noah. Oh yeah. What about you, Doug? Yeah, I mean, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, I think you'll enjoy it. Just be prepared for the fact that it only covers two-thirds of the story. Um, you know, or if you're just a fan of, like... it's Once again, it's really not two-thirds of the story. The Battle of Helm's Deep in the second movie-movie doesn't take up that entire book. It is one little chapter. All right, but, I mean, this series certainly doesn't cover any part of the third novel, right? I can't no, remember. no, it does so not. Long. It does not go into the third novel. Yeah, it's been so long since I read the books that I can't comment too much on them. But, it, anyways, yeah. So be prepared for that. The story doesn't have an ending, but if you you know if you're a big Lord of the Rings fan, you might just want to see this version of it. You're not going to be upset by it, I don't think. And it's usually very interesting and neat, which is great for about ninety minutes. And then there's another hour of the movie where you're kind of like, okay, we've, now we've seen all these visuals. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd watch it if you're, you know, a film nerd or a Lord of the Rings nerd. I wouldn't recommend it for just a mainstream average viewer, though. But yeah, probably anybody who's a mainstream average viewer isn't sitting around listening to our podcast wondering whether or not they should watch this. So. <laughs> uh, I'm probably about the same boat. It's interesting to watch, uh, but I mean, it's not something I'm probably going to watch like over and over again. <laughs> Although Noah will, because he pees his pants over Rotoscope. Yeah. He reacts to Rotoscope listen, like listen, uh, it's, Sam reacts to elves. It's, it's Rotoscope, <laughs> it's Bakshi, and it's Lord of the Rings. And all of these things that I really, really like <laughs> is a unique, perfect storm of masturbatory fun. Ugh. I don't ever want to hear you say masturbatory fun ever again. Masturbatory. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Since you want to talk so much, why don't you tell us about the movie Wizards, or at so, least attempt to. Wizards is the story of Avatar and Black Wolf, the wizard brothers born of a fairy princess in a strange uh, fantasy land that is post-apocalyptic. Spoiler alert. Uh, I don't think it's a spoiler. Yeah, kind of. It takes a minute to get to it, but... 
Uh, so Avatar is training a new fairy to be the new fairy queen of their homeland, which has known peace for a very long time since he defeated Black Wolf in a magic battle and kicked his ass out into the shitty, shitty mutant wastelands. Uh, since then, Black Wolf has slowly been amassing a shitty, shitty army of worthless a-holes who, while they are bloodthirsty and willing to kill people, tend to uh, lose focus and get tired and run away after fighting for so long. Which means he cannot take over the world, ha as his villainy ways suggest he needs to do. Uh, he goes on a search for an ultimate secret weapon, which he finds, which basically turns out to be a combination of fascism and propaganda. <laughs> which he can then use to whip his armies into a frenzy and begin to invade and take over the world. Meanwhile, he sends, sends an assassin called Necron99 to kill Avatar and or Princess Chick. Uh, unfortunately, he just shoots her dad, which that's fine. Nobody liked that character anyway. Uh, Avatar uses his magical taser finger, saps him, and then kind of unbrainwashes him and turns him into his deadly assassin that'll take him across the wasteland and renames him Peace, which is not lost on the audience, I don't think. Uh, they have some adventures, they travel across the land, and uh, through some traitorous actions, Necron's killed, and the princess has supposedly betrayed them even though she's super hot and half-naked, so Avatar's heartbroken. Uh, finally, he confronts Black Wolf. They're getting ready to have their magic battle, and he says he has one more magic trick that Black Wolf's never seen. Pulls out a revolver and shoots him in the fucking chest. Which is awesome. Uh, end of movie. Success. <clears throat> so what'd you think, Doug? <laughs> I like how Noah Ed's is plot description with the word success in case anyone's wondering whether he likes it or not. So what'd you think, Doug? Uh, I actually like this one quite a bit. I think it has a lot of similarities to Lord of the Rings. It's almost like this is Bakshi's own, taking his own shot at that and adding a lot of political commentary from the from the time in it. Um, but, you know, with the, the big epic battles and the magic conflicting wizards and the journey across the land to try to accomplish the goal to win the final battle. I think that was very, it's a lot plot-wise, it's very similar to Lord of the Rings. Uh, once again, he's using this weird, like, contrasting visual styles in the movie. So certain characters look almost realistic, and others look like they came straight out of a Saturday morning cartoon. I, I thought it was... I was going to say, I do like the fact that it's harsh in this movie. It's completely noticeably different. Like you can really tell, and it's always like the the good guy characters that like an audience is supposed to kind of associate with. They're always the ones that look like you would have seen them before if you got up early on Saturday. And it's the evil characters that look a little bit more like the real world, which is obviously symbolic. It's I don't think there's any subtlety there where he's like, yeah, see the bad guys look like the real world, but the good guys who talk about loving each other and that those are the fantasy characters i mean it's not yeah it's not subtle 
the city in the middle of the horrible mutant wasteland looks suspiciously identical to the weird nebulous New York City of every 1970s movie. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I mean, the fact that they use Nazi propaganda quite, like, literally, for people who haven't seen the movie, there's literal clips of Nazi propaganda in this cartoon. Um, and that's sort of how the bad guys are able to get their army into shape and and would theoretically be able to win if uh, if Avatar didn't literally Indiana Jones' brother. Um, it's... Yeah, the, the political commentary is, is strong and it's a little almost too in your face. Um, you don't need actual swastikas to show what fascist that the bad guys are fascists. Um, I don't. I don't know. I, especially if you translate it now in in modern times with some of the problems we're having, I think you need to put the swastikas on them and be like, "They're fucking Nazis." Do you get it? Do you get that they're fucking Nazis? And unfortunately, apparently, 35% of the audience in America would go, I don't get it, they're not Nazis. That's, that's, you know what, you're making a good point. Like, I, I guess maybe what they're trying to do is hammer it home and be like, don't sugarcoat it. Call them what they are, call them Nazis. Um, really, I mean, kind of an interesting thing that it's the propaganda. Of all the, of all the weapons they find, it's the propaganda that is the one that's going to help them actually win the war. Which is neat because they do they have the tanks going and the machine guns and all that and all that's helpful but it's the propaganda that pushes them over the edge yeah yeah and it's it's the propaganda mixing with the concept of nationalism and like identity if that makes sense yeah when they go from just being a horde of bad guys to being nazis you know what i mean the second they all go oh we're nazis so we're all in this together because we're nazis yeah yeah, I mean it's it's very true to how this works in the real world. Maybe almost almost too true that it's almost like it's it was. There were times where it wasn't very fun to watch because I'm like, oh yeah, I can see how this happens, right? And it's like, but I mean, that's sometimes art isn't about being fun to watch. Sometimes art is about driving home a message and making a point. And I think the film was successful in that. I just talk a lot. I don't know if I answered the original question I was asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was asked the, what you thought of it. The the Bakshi tweet that I said that he loved was actually me. I said, we need Ralph Bakshi back because we have an entire generation of kids that apparently need to be told that fascism is bad. Yeah. And I mean, that's. I think that's every couple of generations, people forget what sucked about a few years ago, right? And they all have the the same ideas kind of resurface. Yep. That's kind of what I was taking away from it was that nobody ever learns anything and they still end up doing the same dumb shit even millions of years in the future. Yeah, because this movie's supposed to be set, what, 2 million and 3,000 years in the future, so approximately? Because yeah. it's. And it's. Yeah, the idea that the same things from now would get drummed back up is it's both uh, interesting and true and depressing so mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I thought the movie was okay I wasn't like in love with it it's not the worst thing I've ever seen Shut up, bitch. I know. <laughs> it's almost more interesting than it is good if that's a fair thing to say like it's mm -hmm. it's, it's fun for us to watch and to talk about 
it's uh, the I, narrative is is a little bit derivative and stuff like that. I would say it's complicated because while while I would say there there are things that definitely could be better about the movie, and I get why some people would not see it as the great thing that I think it is, but there are a few things in this movie that are like so ridiculously fucking iconic that once you've seen it once you'll you'll see the references pop up every once in a while there's because the the image of uh peace aboard his weird two-headed horse thing pops up a lot of places that's like a recurring art theme that a lot of people borrow that but the other thing is the they killed Fritz moment in the movie. You'll see that in comment or you know what I mean. Whatever you're reading uh, comments and stuff on things, you'll see people reference that they killed Fritz. Those sons of bitches. Yeah. And now you guys know where it comes from. Well, I would also point out that the lead character's name is Avatar, and the elves look an awful lot like those cat people from the movie Avatar, and I don't think it's a coincidence. Uh, it's, it was like I'm what? looking at From the genius guy who came up with the mineral unobtainium. You're saying that guy couldn't come up with original things. I'm just saying now I know where he got the ideas. I never thought they were original. I mean, nothing in Avatar is original except for the. It's it's a movie that exists for its visuals, which are the only reason it was made, and they are an accomplishment. But everything else in it is just there. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that. And I love that Indiana Jones stole the gun scene from this. I didn't know where that came from before. That's funny. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have much else to say about it. Would you Would you like to educate us some more, Noah? About what you love about it so much? There's just a lot of things, like like I said, and I th- I think this is the type of movie that deserves to be rewatched, if if not often, because I don't necessarily think that that's the case here. I I watch it every once in a while, but I fucking really like the movie. But for for pure sanity's sake, people should watch it about once every ten years, because I think you can accurately gauge how bad politics are at that particular moment. By how you feel about the movie. Because when I used to watch this movie, I just enjoyed it. And I was like, yeah, fucking Nazis. Fuck those guys. Ha 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 And now I watch it and I'm like, oh god, fucking Nazis. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah. I, there are I, people I, who watch this movie and get horny over the Nazis. Which, I mean, that's a true thing. Think about that. There are people who watch this movie and are rooting for the bad guys. At least they lose. And I wonder if that's the the other thing is is this movie trying to give you a hopeful message because although all those terrible ideas from two million years ago sneak back up, they're pretty easily struck down when you take out the leader, right? And so hopefully, if we can, those leaders can be pushed aside, then you can go back to your more prosperous and peaceful world. Well, except there are some arguments to be had about. So, is is it a more prosperous and peaceful world? I mean, I'd give you peaceful, but, like, is Avatar really going to be that much better of a leader? Because if you pay attention to the movie, he's kind of a fucking sleazy little dude. 
And in the end, their great wizard battle is the fact that even though he's been preaching against technology the entire movie and how magic's the only answer, he's had a fucking gun on him since the beginning of the goddamn movie. Yeah, you're... No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. No, it's it's a wholly depressing movie that points out that even if you fascism, <laughs> you simply replace it with a different form of oppression. Yep. No, you're right. <laughs> Nothing positive about the movie whatsoever. <laughs> No, I'm not saying he's as bad. I think I think that's part of the thing. He's not as bad, but you still got to be leery of the motherfucker if that makes sense. Yeah, he's not as bad, but that doesn't make him good. Yeah, it's just it's not hard to be better than a Nazi. It doesn't make you the good guy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and they're kind of portraying his uh, elf apprentice as being uh, possibly underage. <laughs> I don't think they outright say it, but there's some. They're definitely insinuating. Look at how much younger she is than he is, and him just fucking leering at her through the whole movie. Oh yeah, and there, there, I mean, there are there are lines of dialogue to that effect where he's like acknowledges that he's on his last, you know, thousand years of his three hundred thousand year life or whatever it is, and still going after young chicks. But yeah, he wants to get that. I don't know. I mean, I. I'm not about to have a debate about <laughs> how old a wizard should be when they date a fairy. I feel like that's... <laughs> I'm just not now, qualified to enter that discussion. Now, while, while I, gr- I agree with you, Doug, nothing on this world would make me happier than having an argument with somebody about how old a wizard should be <laughs> with dating a fairy. <laughs> that just oh, sounds like... Oh. Some no, no, no. You just tell me. Shit. No, no, no. You tell me. You tell me. How old does a... 300,000-year-old wizard got to be before he fucks a fairy. You tell me. You tell me. Why does Black Wolf look so much goddamn older than he does? Uh, fucking, I just see Char walking into the room, hears that, slowly just closes the door. Back the I think, you know what the sad thing is? I think she's heard me say way dorkier shit than that. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I I like the fact, and once again, it kind of shows the uh, the versatility of what rotoscope can do. Because in the other movie, it's this, it's I would say, uh, an interesting like transition between the different things that they're doing. You know what I mean? If they're using less paint versus more paint versus you know what's going on. In this one, it's pretty much you know this this looks clean and pretty, and this looks like nightmarish. Uh, LSD induced garbage. You know what I mean. And and as far as I can tell, it all seems to be very intentional. And you can't, uh, despite what some people say that this movie's kind of random and stuff. I don't think there is an unintentional moment in the entire film. Oh yeah, I definitely would not refer to it as any kind of like randomness. I think it's all planned. Everything is there to support the main point. Um. Yeah, I think calling this movie random would be a misjudgment. Which? What did you guys think of the uh, consult the priest scene, <laughs> where the priests somehow ended up beating each other on their bare asses with large sticks? Yeah, we must first observe sundown. Oh Lord, hear our prayers! Hear our prayers! This has been going on for five hours. Hear our prayers! I can shoot them. <laughs> 
So you're saying don't turn to religion to save us from these fascists. Okay. Right. right. The best, the best thing is, it's something. even it's the fascists in the first place. The fascists are like, hey, religion, we're going to give you these prisoners so that they don't have to just get senselessly murdered. And, and religion's like, no, we're too busy jerking each other off. Yeah, it's, uh, again, none too subtle about their view on on religion. Like, yeah, they're not really here to help. They're kind of here just to just to pat themselves in the back repeatedly. Um, it was a funny scene, though. I have to say that. Watching the priests yeah. just kind of... It was definitely one of the scenes where, I, like, I think Amanda had asked me a question right before it started. And so I was talking to her, and then I just looked back at the TV, and there's people smacking themselves on asses with sticks and i'm just like what the fuck is going on i apparently missed something yeah see you weren't even you weren't even paying close enough attention to get the uh the very creative dig at religion no i missed that that's why i was hoping doug knew what you were talking about with the priest scene and i was like oh that's what that was okay the other thing I noticed about that scene was like I felt like they went out of their way. They didn't want to be seen as prejudiced, so they went out of their way to kind of like drop hints to a bunch of different religions to let you know that, hey, we're saying all religions are dumb. We're not talking about any one of them in particular. <laughs> Don't like, like we know these guys look like stereotypical Jewish characters with the, with the curly beards and the curly hairs, but we're not being anti-Semitic because watch how they're going to talk about like Christianity type stuff as well. Yeah, they're they've got a cross on the wall, but they're praying in sundown. Yeah, like it, it was really like this is encompassing everything. Like uh, just so you guys know. I guess, I guess to avoid anybody, again, with this movie not being very subtle, they're like, we don't want anybody thinking that we're saying one religion is bad. We want to make sure everyone knows that it's all of them. Drive that point home as best you can. And then somehow or another, guys are whacking each other on the ass with sticks, and you're like, I, I think that makes the point. Yeah, yeah that makes the point clear. <laughs> Moving on. Well, anything else before we move on? This in this boxy movie doesn't even have any of that sweet, sweet, uh, over-the-top racism that we'll get into in southern movies. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, no feedback this week after the past couple weeks being full of feedback. So that means you're all slacking. <laughs> I would predict we're probably going to get some Wizards feedback because, you know, besides you guys, lots of people love this movie. Yeah, I noticed that. It has its fans. <laughs> I heard from a listener who said that uh, he was homesick when he was eight years old and his dad brought this home because it was just a cartoon from the video store. So he's like, ah, just here, watch this. Oh my God, that was something we didn't mention. This movie is rated PG. Yeah, what the because, hell? Because in the 70s, the ratings board just didn't watch the fucking movies. That's the only explanation. 
It, I don't know how anybody could watch this and be like, well, parents should probably discuss the Nazis with their kids if they're going to let them watch them. Because, yeah. I mean, the ratings board had to be sitting there and they're like, what about those saggy, titted, mutant hooker fairies? Like, is that too much mm-hmm. for a kid? And they're like, well, technically they're not naked. Well, to be fair, I mean, there was it went from PG to R, and I don't know if this movie would be R material back in the 70s. Well, I guess that's why they had to invent additional ratings in the middle. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot, Steven Spielberg. I think I think thirteen is the right age to introduce your child to the evils of fascism. <laughs> oh, you mean completely ruin their childhood and show them that the world actually sucks? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. technically, you're not a child now; you're a teenager. Time for you to stop being happy ever. You're gonna be you're gonna be 18 soon, and you need a reason to hate all of us old people so that maybe you'll do something better. You won't, because no no generation ever has. But maybe you'll make mild improvements, and like women will get to vote. You know, no, women can vote. I don't know if you know that. Oh shit! They finally made it. Uh, to be fair, we are a global podcast. Some of our uh, listeners might be in places where women can't vote. Well, well, there you go. That's that's the feedback homework for next week. If you're <laughs> listening to this and you live in a country where women can't vote, let us know what that's like. <laughs> or, or how about uh, we, we do a more modern reference to uh, maybe people just be able to use the fucking bathroom without getting fucking bothered about it. <laughs> there you go. Ah. Uh... Uh, did anybody watch anything since last week? I know Doug did. <laughs> You're all excited? <laughs> no, I just follow you. I just I follow you on Instagram, so I'm like, oh, he watched the missing piece of this boxing movie that we reviewed. I did. I did. I watched. I totally watched Lord of the Rings, and I guess that's a compliment to the film. It left me wanting more. So I watched the the closest thing to a sequel that exists. Which is the Rankin Bass version of the Return of the King? Uh, slightly different tone. <laughs> like Rankin Bass, you sort of basky. Um, it's yeah, it's a cartoon version of Return of the King. All right. Interesting thing about this: I've had certain songs stuck in my head since I was a little kid, and every now and again they just kind of resurface. Where <laughs> there's a whip. Yep, that's one of them. That one, which I was not sure where it came from, and the one about Frodo and his nine fingers, have just been in my head since I was a child, and every now and again creep to the surface, and I find myself thinking about them at work, and not understanding why. And They yeah. do a song about Frodo's nine fingers? Yeah. This is after he gets his finger bitten off? So, okay, so the story behind this movie is that it's not actually a sequel to Lord of the Rings, it's a sequel to The Hobbit. And so there's kind of a, so there's, in order to make that work, they play with the narrative a little bit and it's Bilbo's birthday, his 129th birthday or something like that. And Frodo's there and Bilbo's asking him about the ring and Frodo's missing the finger that was bitten off by Gollum, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You went on that journey to try to get rid of my ring. And they kind of tell the first part of the story and jump in for the Lord of the Rings part of the story. Her Return of the King part of the story, sorry. 
but this is this one is very much a cartoon. It is like it's exactly what you would expect a cartoon version of Lord of the Rings to look like. It the characters are way more kid friendly. The battles are bloodless. You know, the orcs are singing about not wanting to go to war, but they're being forced to by their orc overlords. We get the actual visuals of like Sam and Frodo dressing up in orc gear and getting tricked into forced into joining the orc army because people believe they're orcs even though they don't think anything like orcs while they're wearing the costumes. And so I, I guess the point I'm trying to get is I really really liked this. I had a lot of fun watching <laughs> it. Awesome. It's I, like I have to say I think I enjoyed it more than the other version. Like objectively, the like the reviewer in me is like you know that other movie is like a good movie. And this is like dumb kids cartoon version of Lord of the Rings. But this was really fun to watch. And those songs are still in my head like three days later. <laughs> so I, uh, I I definitely would recommend this if you're a fan of Lord of the Rings and you haven't seen it. Like, track it down. It's, it's worth the effort. Because it's really fun to watch, even if it's tonally less faithful to the original story. And uh, more about... More like a kiddie version of the story. Right. Plus, plus, when you're at work and your boss starts being an asshole and telling you to do a bunch of stuff and walks out of the room, you will start humming. There's a whip. There's a way. I know. I do. <laughs> I will now. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. I will say the one thing with this is like because it's a kid version of it. It's like whenever they cut away from Sam and Frodo to the other storyline. I don't know how a child watching this is supposed to keep up with what the hell is going on. There's like a, cause there's like, is it the battle of Minas Tirith that's in this one? And it's like, they're cutting away to that and they've, and they're telling you in dialogue that there's these two kingdoms that have to come together to work against the evil and all this. And it's like, what kid is listening closely enough to understand that they understand like the little guy with the hairy feet has to make it across the, deserty area and throw the ring in the in the uh, fire pit before the frog looking guy tries to eat him like that's what kids understand right they don't i don't know how they would keep up with all the stuff involving like the exposition is for middle-aged nerds who like lord of the rings cartoons fair enough and i mean again this was made in 1980 um coincidentally came out two years after bakshi's lord of the rings and and in no way, shape, or form was trying to capitalize on that. Um, but they, uh, it, back then, because I think this was even made for television, right? But that was that was back when families sat in a semicircle around the TV and watched it together, not just a bunch of people in like separate rooms <laughs> with headphones in, so nobody else knows what they're hearing. Um, so I guess they had to make it more adult friendly in some ways just so the adults wouldn't flip the channel but yeah it was great i'm i'm like i'm way more likely to watch this again than i am to watch lord of the rings again Hmm. there's nothing wrong with that oh i'm I'm glad you're not yelling at me i thought you might no why would i yell at you for that listen i also love lord of the rings and i love ranking and bass yeah well so yeah i found it super fun i'm probably gonna end up watching the Hobbit soon, unless I get distracted by a shiny object and never watch it again for the rest of my life. The <laughs> the Hobbit cartoon is one of the reasons I am a nerd. Yeah. 
I saw that as a very small child, and I was like, yep, this is who I am. Dragons and dragons and hobbits and shit. I dig it. Oh, there you go. I guess, and I mean, I guess that's part of the job of TV producers is to turn children into nerds, right? Like, we want these guys to go see movies when they're old enough to have disposable income. We got to start hooking them with this stuff young. It's probably not a coincidence that I defend Peter Jackson's films and I like this, right? Yeah, bunch of nerds. Yeah. Did you have you ever read the books, Doug? I have. It's been a long time, okay. and I'm not actually Brian said he didn't read them, so I know. Watch people get mad at me. Not really a huge fan of the books. <laughs> Which is strange because then why did I go see the movies at all? I don't know, but I read the books. I, th- I think it was. I think I, I read the books like after I knew they were going to make the movies, the live action movies, but before they came out. And I, the writing style didn't really work for me, and a lot of the like a lot of it was just like I don't want to have to keep a pen and paper right down here. Like, what kind of an asshole writes a story and there's a character named? Baramir and a character named Boromir in the same book. How the fuck am I supposed to tell those guys apart when I have no <laughs> visuals to like I have no face to put with the name? <laughs> and why is some of this in Elvish? Don't put shit in Elvish in your book. I can't read that. He wrote he wrote an entire fucking language. I know. This Which is, is again, if you're hugely into it, that's amazing. But if you're more of a casual, like, hey, I'll try these out. <laughs> Although my biggest my biggest uh, complaint about the Lord of the Rings book is that J.R.R. Tolkien was a classist fuck, and uh, if you if you pay attention, basically the lesson of all the books is if you do what the fuck your betters tell you to do, everything will be all right. You fucking peasant. <laughs> the the. You know, the problem I always had with this storyline is always like, so Sam and Frodo go on this journey. Merry and Pippin as well, to a lesser extent. Um, they go on this whole journey. Like, Sam especially, has he, he's not compelled to be there. He just does it out of the kindness of his heart. Because he wants to fuck Frodo. And, <laughs> okay, all right. Let's assume that's true. Still pretty dedicated. Because yeah. he doesn't get to. And this is a long way to go. <laughs> so they go through all of this. They may, and their reward is that, like, they get to not be killed, and they go, like, they just get sent back to the Shire at the end. That seems unfair to me. It seems like really, really like unfair. Like, that's because that's their job as fucking peasants. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's, I guess it's, <laughs> this, we're making similar points, and I'm just like, yeah, it's like, why aren't like, so the other guy gets to be king, who just... They, like, it's almost because he was born to be king, and then they had to basically use all this storytelling to convince him to take the crown. It's basically what happens. Well, Or there's characters like Elrond in the book. Elrond, in possession of a ring of power, immortal, super-wise, supposed to be one of the smartest uh, people on the planet, and has a giant army, and his idea is send this two foot tall asshole and a few people <laughs> to walk their asses over there. Because I ain't dealing with this shit. Well, I think for the purposes of the story the argument is that an army could not make it across, but hopefully these two little guys can sneak in. Hopefully, like, 
Sauron will underestimate them in the same way that we would. True. Goddamn peasants, not knowing their place. <laughs> Fucking fucks. I'm a goddamn wizard. You better listen to me, you little piece of shit. I do love hobbits, though. I wish hobbits were real. I would get one for sure. <laughs> That's, now you're advocating slavery. Move on! <laughs> what else did you watch, Doug? Uh, well, to try to get things a little bit more normal and grounded, I watched a Nick Cage movie. <laughs> uh, so I watched Mom and Dad, which I think oh, one yeah. of you guys already talked about on the show, right? I watched it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I watched it because, like, I just had to know. It popped up on Netflix, <laughs> and I'm like, I, I gotta know, right? And it's it's a movie starring Nick Cage about all of a sudden he goes nuts and wants to kill his own kids. And that's it, right? Like, that's all that happens in this movie. But it's, it's a plot that allows Nick Cage to go full Nick Cage. It really, yeah, he's just, but it. I would say it's a plot that allows what Nick Cage was going to do anyway to make sense plot-wise. Because <laughs> this is kind of how he behaves in every movie now. <laughs> and so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because there's a scene in this movie where... So Nick Cage is putting in a pool table, having not consulted his spouse about it. It's revealed in dialogue that he has recently... His salary has gone down hundred thousand dollars and so possibly he shouldn't be spending money on pool tables then nick cage loses his mind and beats the shit out of said pool table with a sledgehammer which sounds crazy but what's really crazy is that's a flashback sequence that happens before the character goes crazy (laughs) (laughs) so that's where we're at um and yeah I mean, my favorite part of it is when, like, all of a sudden in the middle, like, because the idea is, like, all the parents in the world or in a certain area all of a sudden want to kill their kids for reasons. And uh, all of a sudden, like, Nick Cage's dad shows up and just wants to kill him. And I'm like, yeah, 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 let's run with that for a little while. And then we get this great gore scene out of that. And I'm like, perfect. That needed to happen. I talked about it on when I reviewed it. But, of course, who shows up to be Nick Cage's dad? Of course, it's slipping my mind after you throw the question to me, which was supposed oh, to be a long ball. Some fucking Lance Henriksen. Right, right. I'm like, I know it was like a famous actor, and I'm like, my mind wanted to say Malcolm McDowell, but I'm like, it, it no. wasn't. I know it wasn't. But this yeah, is his only scene in the movie. Like, he's never mentioned nothing. Shows up, no. hey, son, stab, stab, stab. <laughs> Just out of nowhere. <laughs> and then gets his head crushed. Moving on. <laughs> It almost feels like an add-in scene. They're like, we didn't have quite enough blood and guts in this movie. What can we do? Can we get Nick back for a day? Who will, who will show up to play his dad? <laughs> so super fun movie. Not not what I would call a good movie. but Not, fun, not to be taken to seriously. Watch. No, fun to watch. Just garbage if you like watching people get stabbed and Nick Cage be Nick Cage, which normally I'm not a Nick Cage fan because normally when he behaves like this in movies, it doesn't make any fucking sense but in this particular movie it does make sense so I'm fine with it you seen the trailer for his upcoming movie Mandy? not yet but I saw an article that said Nick Cage explains how Jason Voorhees inspired his character in the movie Mandy and so now I <laughs> and you're, like, you're like yep I'm sold 
I... If this is the stage where Nick Cage's career is at, is like he's gonna start doing stuff where he's just—it's just okay for him to act like this, so he doesn't have to stop doing cocaine when he gets to set or whatever it is. It's like I guess then we'll watch it. <laughs> I think it's a good career turn. Uh, did you watch anything else? No, that's all I had time for this week. <laughs> What'd you watch, Noah? Well, I was like, ooh, film and animation. Uh, I like this stuff. And then I was going to watch more Bocce movies, and I realized I put all of them on the list, and I was like, well, I don't want to do that. Because then I'll just be talking about things, and they'll find a way to weasel out of watching them on the show. So instead, I watched uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Nice. <laughs> because Bob uh, Hoskins, yay. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Once in a lifetime movie. Right. And I don't, uh, I don't think I have to justify how fucking amazing that movie is. No. It's, no, you don't. Great. Everything about it's fucking great. Now I love like the special features, whatever the anniversary edition I got. How they just talk about this movie was impossible to make, and somehow because Steven Spielberg was attached, they were able to get it made. Like, could you imagine trying to get Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse to be in the same shot nowadays? Oh, right, just wouldn't happen. <laughs> no. Until Disney just buys Warner Brothers up. Yeah, totally. So that won't happen for at least six or seven more months. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, I love the, the, that movie and how it was put together. And it's just like, oh, you turn one corner, there's Droopy Dog, and then and there's fucking Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse. And I think there was like a Coco the Clown who was like a silent era cartoon or something. Like he's in the background somewhere. So there's like all kinds of like just this animation stuff, which is amazing to to watch when you get older and realize how that's that was never supposed to happen, and somehow they did it, and they'll never be able to do it again. Well, I mean, just the fucking like the cast is fucking fantastic. Yeah. And, and I don't the weird the, the weirdest part of the whole thing is them being like, "Hey Disney, we need some of your characters," and then being like, "Okay," and then you know. Warner Brothers, we need your characters. All right. I'm like, by the way, this is going to be a super adult weird movie. Uh, wait, what? It's okay. It's okay. We're just going to see a cartoon shoe get melted to death. Be fun. That's still one of the worst scenes ever. That was like a Transformers the movie kind of moment when I was a kid. Seeing that, and I remember like, what? Like, what are you doing to that shoe? And then like forcing it into that tub or whatever. Like, God, oh, not a. It's not okay. I should rewatch that movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. <clears throat> the version I has has like a trivia track, so it'll tell you like cameos and stuff that are coming up. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting. Nice. Uh, all right. Did you watch anything else? Uh, the only other thing I watched, <laughs> I can't remember what I went to watch, but I walked over to my uh, my movie shelves to like grab something really specific. And like I looked down and saw Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and I was like, "Nope, watching that instead." <laughs> nice. And it was so good, I can't even remember what the other movie was that I was going to watch. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're not going to watch that and then regret it. You're not going to be like, "Oh, I should have watched that other movie." Nope. God damn it! God <laughs> damn it! That movie is to this day it's one of the funniest fucking things that's ever been made, and it doesn't get any less funny. 
no matter how many times I've watched it, and I've watched it way too many times. Yeah, I didn't like. I didn't grow up watching Monty Python, but uh, for a while I was doing part time work at the local PBS, where I had, basically had to sit and watch TV all night, which I know was a rough job. And they had started showing Monty Python reruns again, so it was like the highlight of my night when Monty Python was coming up. Because since I didn't grow up watching it, like I had no idea like most of the content, so. It was fun just to experience that stuff for the first time. And for some reason, my favorite skit, and I don't know why, is a couple mob guys trying to bully an uh, army general. And they show up and like, yeah, this is a, this is a pretty, nice, uh, pretty nice airfield. It'd be terrible if something happened to it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds genius. I don't know. I don't, that one. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just sitting there, just like this. Just fucking ridiculous. They're trying to get hush money from the army. Like what the fuck? It's, but yeah, they killed me. Oh, uh, the thing I remember about Monty Python is like, like early part of the '90s, like way before there was an internet and stuff, and like somebody came to me and like we we all went to Catholic school, and somebody shows up with a copy of Life of Brian. And like we thought we, were, we thought we thought we were the first people to ever discover this. Like we didn't know Monty Python was a thing from when we were younger. Like you know what I mean? Nobody had told us that this existed before. And then so we're all like passing these VHS tapes around, and it's like this is amazing. And then like of course you start delving into all the other stuff after that. But it was like it was a real discovery moment we had no idea what we were going into and so then <laughs> then it becomes the thing where it's like somebody brings it to my house and we sit and watch it together and then the next weekend the two of us go to another guy's house and we all sit and watch it together <laughs> the uh the it's a miracle part of life of brian is one of the funniest things that's that's ever happened in a movie like i fucking love that i'm kind of hungry oh look a berry it's a miracle <laughs> I was perfectly happy in my hole in the ground until you showed up. It's a miracle. <laughs> so I think my I think my favorite line in that whole movie is when Jesus is doing the blessed are the cheesemakers speech, and the guy is like, "What's so special about cheesemakers? It's not meant to be taken literally. He's referring to the manufacturers of any dairy product." <laughs> <laughs> There's just something I love about that because it's so smart and so stupid at the same time. <laughs> so it looks like the um the mob thing is on YouTube. I just sent it to the group chat. Awesome. I'll watch that later. <laughs> it's so dumb and yet I think it's like the funniest damn thing ever. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Uh did you watch anything else, Noah? Nope, just those two things. Uh well I only got a couple things. Uh one of them was a movie, the other one's a video game that'll make sense when I explain it uh so i went and saw the new mission impossible movie uh it's exactly what you think it is the mission impossible movie had a good time enjoyed it stunts are a kick-ass um but yeah it blows my mind that those movies are still coming out i haven't seen any of them like i'm not criticizing them because i haven't seen them but i'm like i remember one came out and i was like yeah i think i actually saw two in theaters and i'm like all right well that's over. That'll, they'll never make any more of these. And it's like 
20 years later they're still coming coming out with them yeah yep uh for some reason these are just i don't know i really enjoy them and i don't know why uh it's like these and the Bourne movies. I really enjoy them. both, like both franchises. Even though I haven't watched the last, uh, last Bourne movie, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm a big sucker for them for some reason. Helps that uh, Simon Pegg's been in the series ever since Part Three. Yeah, he's usually pretty good, even if some of the shit around him is a little over the top. He's at least there to be like, well, this shit's over the top, and you're like, right? Thank you, Simon Pegg. Oh, good. They do know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was good. It was, you know, nothing really to comment on. It's a Mission Impossible movie. You either like it or you don't. Um, <clears throat> so the other thing, I was just like, I need a video game to play. I haven't, I don't know. This is just, I need to play something, but I don't want to get, like, super invested in, like, these super huge games or whatever. So a long time a long time ago, uh, since I'm a gold member, I get two, like four free games a month or whatever, and one of them was uh, Saints Row Four. And I've never played any of the Saints Row games, but I know, I think it was like starting with like the third one, they decided let's not be a Grand Theft Auto clone anymore, and we'll just make it the most ridiculous shit you've ever seen in your entire life. And I'm like, wow, that sounds like that could be fun. And that pretty much is exactly what the game's like. It just makes everything completely like crazy and over the top. Uh, like Keith David plays himself in the, in the game. For some reason, after like the opening credits, your character becomes like this kick-ass president of the United States. And so Keith David is his vice president. And it's literally Keith David doing the voice, too. So it's just, hey, Vice President Keith David. I'm like, this is fucking weird. Um, but the opening credits is you trying to stop a nuclear missile from getting shot off. And so you're infiltrating, like, this nuclear silo. And uh, so I'm playing, you know, I'm shooting people, going through it, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and <laughs> And then on cue, as if uh, both of you predicted it in our review, um, he goes on a killing rampage. You know, your character goes on a killing rampage, and the touch from the Transformers movie <laughs> starts playing in the background. <laughs> and I was like, no, you got to be fucking kidding me. Sure enough, it's, yeah, the touch. You got the touch, and you're just like mowing down people with a machine gun. <laughs> It is, it is. It's a perfect song for that. <laughs> uh, and then you actually get to the nuclear missile, and it's starting to go off. So you do like the Captain America thing, where you grab onto it, and you're trying to trying to uh, uh, disarm it while it's in the air. And so you're just pulling shit out. But as soon as you jump onto the missile, and it starts taking off, uh, uh, I don't want to miss a thing. By Aerosmith starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this may be the greatest game I've ever played in my entire life. So I'm playing it, and it turns out this is the game where Martians, or not necessarily Martians, but aliens come and take over the world. And so, as this kick ass president, they capture you and put you like in this framework type they're, they're thing. Basically in the Matrix. Yeah, they basically put you in the Matrix. 
That's a good way to put it. And they try to put you in like this like 1950s like Pleasantville type thing at first. And so you're just walking around with like a sweater vest on and like, you know, all happy and everything. And then part of the set of, of that little Pleasantville town is totally the clock tower from Back to the Future. Awesome. But then, of course, turns out you're too, uh, you're too uh, violence happy to be stuck in this simulation. So you get found out and dumped into like an actual like uh, simulation where you're fighting against aliens and stuff like in the city. Um, but I totally, when I went to the first clothing store where you can buy clothing, was able to buy the uh, Karate Kid headband. So my character's walking around in a trench coat and a Karate Kid headband because that's the kind of game I'm playing, apparently. Uh, so it's been tons of fun. I just thought the, the touch was kind of funny. Uh, that nice funny. coincidence. And as in... Uh, um, as in uh, sort of Grand Theft Auto, like there are like radio stations you can listen to, and um, and so like the mix stations one has all the good music, like the touch comes on the radio every once in a while and stuff. And Amanda was in the kitchen making dinner, and she's like, "What game is this? Because this game has like the best soundtrack I've ever heard." And I'm like, "I know, it's fucking awesome, isn't it?" And it's like weird and all over the place. So I recommend for Saints Row 4 if you ever get a chance to play it. It's completely weird and over the top and has the touch from the Transformer soundtrack in it. So totally worth it. That's awesome. Sounds like tons of references too. As you go along, there'll just be more and more, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's great. Like they don't even try to hide it. They just, they're just like, yeah, that's totally what we're referencing. That sounds, that does sound fun. Yeah. Your your uh, your reference to Karate Kid reminded me that I saw a few minutes of Karate Kid Two on TV the other day. Oh yeah, and I I don't know why, but I always forget how fucking crazy that series is. <laughs> like it's literally like okay, first one kids getting bullied, so they put him in a karate tournament and he earns the respect of his peers. Pretty reasonable storyline. Sure. The second one. He returns to his sensei's homeland and has a fight to the death <laughs> for reasons that date back to pre-World War II. Third one, tournament again. Yeah. It's like, oh my god. Like, who wrote that second movie and was just like, yeah, it makes sense. And then I think fourth one is, of course, girl karate kid who's yeah. trying to find out who's selling drugs in her high school or something. I, I never sat all the way through it. I barely remember it. I just know there's a scene. And then there's, and then there's the a dog. Part where the ROTC program bully kids who, instead of a karate school, that's what's going on. It's some weird military instructor teaching bullies to beat up kids. I don't know if that make any sense. Yeah. But at one point, they have her in a circle, which they call a bull ring. And basically, they're all taking turns beating the shit out of her. And for a movie that is, uh, for the most part, a shitty lighthearted movie at that exact moment you're like oh god this this feels an awful lot like the beginning of a rape revenge movie like like this poor girl's here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future well, doug do you want to tell people what we're doing next week uh, i do give me a second with it so i can remember what the hell we talked about 
<laughs> I know it's not Young Guns because we don't have the. I'll give you a hint. It's got Mario Van Peebles in it. Oh right, we're doing sharks next week. <laughs> Are we? Yeah. Okay. So, we're watching a movie that calls itself Jaws Five. Even though technically it probably shouldn't be allowed to call itself that. <laughs> and we're doing The Last Shark, which looks atrociously terrible. But I put it on the list having never even seen a trailer or a clip from it. So, there you go. Now we're going to have to sit through it. Uh, <laughs> it should be interesting. Just late for Shark Week, but... Eh. I, think we're, I think we're right on time. I think they yeah. were a little early in when they showed Shark Week. That's what I think. Say, so when do we ever do anything on anybody else's schedule? I remember at one point, like, I had the idea. Somehow we managed to predate everybody's schedule. <laughs> Occasionally we do. It's weird. Um, it just shows that we're a lot more influential than we think we are. We're like one of those indie bands that, like, doesn't sell very many records, but everyone knows who they are. <laughs> Except we're, like, really bad at what we do. But besides that, we're just, like, one of those fans. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Noah pointed out that we talk about something, and it seems like the uh, was it the Grindhouse and VHS Sleaze group on Facebook. Yeah, 80s Grindhouse and Sleaze. Every time we plan a show, it pops up on their feed every single time. <laughs> In the interest of fairness, they talk about a lot of cool shit in that feed, so it's like not really surprising. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.